so so without further ado, Lorraine and it's Siegel, right? Even though here in the U.S. they spell it a little different, Lorraine Siegel, and she'll describe herself because I'm not going to do it justice because this is a woman who has done amazing things. You have to check out her Wikipedia. She's done everything. And I thought I was a hard worker. And I think people, I'm, I'm nothing compared to what you're doing. It's crazy. So it sounds like I'm just sleepwalking. And this is happy work. It's all about positivity in the workplace, making employees happier, and then speaking to fantastic guests like Lorraine, who can kind of share their perspective and their journey along the way. So maybe without further, you know, just me going on, you could just say who you are, what you do, and we'll dive into everything. No, thank you so much, Jack. And I'm one, so happy to be with you and Michael and Laura. Thank you all for uh, inviting me to be here. It's an interesting challenge, what is happiness? Uh, and in fact, that is the metric that in our foundation we measure for. When we bring in uh, women awardees and, and we have leaders from all over North America, we ask them, what will it take to make them happy? And that's a holistic question, really, because as women, we are mothers, daughters, sisters, friends, colleagues, professional. And so for all those reasons, uh, it became my mission in life when I sold my last business. And I am a serial entrepreneur who started as a lawyer and failed as a lawyer, <laughs> jumping ship into entrepreneurship. Uh, when I sold my last business, I decided I wanted to take whatever I'd made and pay it forward to those who I think walk the road less traveled as I had. And I never had a mentor. So that was my mission in life. And to go back to the beginning, I started life as a barrister uh, in training in South Africa, which is where I come from. And when I immigrated here, went back into law and did the JD and did the bar and worked for a judge for a bit and then for a large law firm. And frankly, I hated it. It was just not for me. So it, it was uh, it was good that I lived in this incredible country of the United States where there are so many options. And I jumped ship and became an entrepreneur. I had a bunch of failures, which I guess is part of the game if you're in entrepreneurship. And then fortunately, some successes. Built a small healthcare company and sold it. Uh, became uh, CEO of an advanced materials company and sold it and had the privilege of teaching executive education at Caltech in California for 24 years and building the leading consultancy in strategic partnering. So that led me to do research at Caltech, write five business books, one novel, two, which were published and um, took me into a merger with a fabulous firm out of Boston that had written a book. Uh, Michael, I know you teach at Harvard. They wrote a book out of the project on negotiation called Getting to Yes. You may well have heard of that book. I teach it. And, <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, uh, Vantage Partners is my uh, former firm and marvelous partners I had there. And we merged our strategic alliances consulting firm into Vantage. And then a number of years later, when our only child and his wife were going to have the first grandbaby, I said, I am out of here. <laughs> and... Um, was very, very happy to, uh, to sell out to Vantage. And then that's when my philanthropic world started and I created endowments at my high school in South Africa for young ladies uh, from ninth through 12th grade and at my law school and business school in California. And from that evolved uh, a nonprofit called the Exceptional Women Awardees Foundation. And that's basically what I run now in addition to being on uh, one board uh, which is public and one board, which is nonprofit. 
That's it. <laughs> that, that's it. That's enough. That's a lot. That's amazing. <laughs> Lorraine, that's great. I, I'm just going to hop in with the first question because I'm just so anxious to hear it. For where you are right now, what is your life's purpose? What, what gives you meaning? Thank you for that marvelous question. I live my life's purpose every single day. Uh, the Exceptional Women Awardees Foundation is a happiness machine, to go back to an industrial term, but it is truly generating happiness for me and for the women who are part of it every moment of every day. That is our mission. That's what we wish to enable our EWAs, as we call them, to do, is to reach their dreams. And so I'm fortunate to be the guide of dream catching and uh, it's an amazing place to be. I'm truly, truly blessed at this point in my life to be happier than I've ever been. That's excellent, thank you. I know Laura is just like, <laughs> next. <I know. laughs> so excited, Lorraine, this is amazing. I was just thrilled to read about your career and all of the different kinds of things that you've done in your career. I mean, you didn't even, you mentioned some of them, but there's way more that I've read about of the different things that you've done. And I'm just curious in kind of taking a meta view of your career, what do you think it is about your mindset or the way you kind of think about the world that had you so kind of open to all these different experiences and to have all of these really cool successes i'm just curious like how do you think i'd just love for you to share about about your mindset along the way well you know growing up in south africa i was growing up in a very privileged environment unfortunately with the backdrop of apartheid uh, but not only was there black white um, apartheid but there was also anti-woman um, feeling in terms of what women could achieve so um, you may be amazed to know when I got married, um, we had to have a prenuptial contract in order to exclude the marital power of the husband over the wife, because the wife, when I got married 53 years ago, did not have contracting power. She was not a person uh, without her husband's signature. So in order to contract out of that common law status, you needed to have a prenuptial agreement. So, you know, that was where it was many years ago, obviously very different now in every way. But, you know, when I went to law school in, in Johannesburg, there were very few women at the bar practicing law and even fewer in my law school class, maybe, I don't know, five or six, but certainly not a lot out of 180. And so it was a very different environment. So you either pushed forward with great um, enthusiasm or you went along with the norm. And I was not a normative kind of person. So <laughs> sort of a red flag to the bull kind of person. So off I went into, um, into my own world of pushing forward into places where women had never tread or few of them had ever tread. And coming to the US was like a kid in a candy store because the opportunities here, even though there are many who feel we don't have enough, I tell you, it's better than any other country I've lived in or been to in the world. And so I'm enormously grateful to be a US citizen and to have the privilege of living in this country. And I still feel like it's a kid in a candy store. There are certainly wrongs that have to be righted, but there's the opportunity. There's somebody dog coming into the podcast. I love that. <laughs> That's my puppy that makes me happy. She's just yeah. a little loud. Yeah. 
Okay, we have that problem too. I, my, my dog hopefully won't come and visit and sit outside. Um, but anyway, so that was that's what it, it, it's all about is is pushing uh, with a belief that you can do whatever you set your mind to and that you get further with honey than you do with poison. <laughs> and uh, and so my my focus has always been to be as charming as possible, but firm. And um, I would say also to discover what it is that I enjoy doing. And I'm so blessed to be at that point in my life where I can do only what I enjoy. Yeah, that's amazing. I've heard some people say before that sometimes the biggest, the people who have struggles or at least, you know, they're exposed to hardships early in their lives are the ones who kind of see the opportunities in front of them in a different light. Right. And that's, it sounds like what you kind of described. So that's, that's amazing. I think that's a brilliant statement, Laura, that is right on, which is I know why you do what you do because you just got it on the head. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think that uh, I see that all around me when I hear the stories of our incredible leaders in our foundation and what some of them have gone through in their lives um, is just it, it is incomprehensible that they are at the leadership position that they are now. When you think about what they went through, and I'm talking about anything from incest and rape to extreme poverty to incredible abuse, both spousal and child. I mean, not to say that everybody's like that, but there are many individuals who have gone through terrible uh, trauma and loss of a parent very early all kinds of other things. And they've come through it with the belief that they have the strength and the opportunity to do what they need to do. And they do it. Amazing. Lorraine, just to, to frame to it a little, just to frame it a little bit more, can you, because you kind of launched into it, but can you tell the listeners and people watching it a little bit more about the whole ethos, the whole idea behind the awards? Sure. Happy to do that. I took a lot of the intellectual property I designed in the area of strategic partnering and applied it to a peer-to-peer -peer network of women leaders. And I chose women leaders as opposed to male leaders because that was where the need appeared to be. But I do believe that you can't applaud with one hand. <laughs> you have to applaud with both hands. And in order for women to be successful in the, in the workplace or anywhere for that matter, they have to have men as allies. And in order for men to be successful in the workplace, they have to have women as allies. So it really is a collaborative exercise for all of us to, to work together in a better, more uh, positive way. So, uh, so I started with the women. And in fact, we have a program which is uh, in beta at the moment for exceptional male awardees where they would be partnered with a female mentor but we shelved that for the COVID period because frankly people are just struggling to get through what they're trying to get through at the moment and trying to zap another program into an organization this is not the time so to go back to our women awardees we look for uh, exceptional women who walk the road less traveled they have to have reached a certain level of success because like Marshall Goldsmith, who also serves on our advisory board, he's the number one coach in the world today, if you didn't know of him, quite a spectacular gentleman. He always says that he his mission, and it is ours too, is to make very successful people more successful. And that's really what we want to do. So we look for high-level women. There are many organizations helping women in high school, young women, women early parts of their career. 
our niche is high level women. And we know that the pyramid at the top of the organization is very narrow and many women don't get to that top spot. We want to mentor them, support them, enable them to make sure that if they are near the top, we get them to the top. In addition, we want to enable women who are already at sea level to find their next purpose in life. Because I found when I left my PNL, uh, it was a bit discombobulated. You know, I was left without a, an identity. I left my friends behind. I left my community behind because all I had done was work and run that PNL or been involved in a partnership. So I don't want any other sea level woman to have that same feeling. So we have provided a sisterhood of purpose where each woman who comes in will have the opportunity to mentor another peer when she comes in and the cycle of giving continues. So, you know, we're at 84 women by the end of this year, we'll be at 100. And the goal is not to grow hugely, but to grow slowly and to make sure that our women are engaged and we truly are achieving this mission. Uh, we will be putting out a semi-annual report in the next few weeks, which shows the numbers of women who have become CEOs, who have moved up in their organizations, who have gone on public boards or private boards. Um, and it's just spectacular and heartwarming. Lorraine, this, this, is, this is amazing. And I, I can relate to you on your journey when you sold a business and, you know, it's depressing and lonely and what's next and do I matter anymore? And I, I thought I was lucky by retiring at 36 and it was the worst decision I ever made. I was never more unhappy, which is why I've gone into the well-being space to, to figure this out. I personally think that retirement should be removed from our vocabulary. I think humans should always keep moving forward on some level, but I'm curious about the women that you're helping. And I, I love the fact that you're, you're, you're seeing their strengths and trying to make these, these gems even shinier gems. What are you seeing now that these women are needing and how are you helping them fulfill that need? What are they needing right now that you're seeing? Well, the, the, one of the biggest needs is something that is generally unstated and that is to have a confidential group of like-minded, not by like-minded, doesn't mean they think the same way. It means that they are senior and ambitious um, peers who, with whom you can share anything, literally anything. And that is one of the uniqueness, uh, unique characteristics of our organization. So whether it's an HR problem uh, that they might have, we will convene what we call our little SWAT team, where we will bring a couple of chief people officers around the person, uh, surround them and talk to them, help them through it. All confidential, all free of charge. It's something that the sisterhood does for each other. Uh, one of our other women was uh, offered a position uh, through an executive search firm. Um, we brought in two or three of us, our executive search leaders and a couple of CEOs and board members and surrounded her and helped her with um, the negotiation of a C-level role, which she moved into very successfully. Um, another woman um, was the president of her company. The CEO passed away suddenly. She was um, asked to immediately become um, the interim CEO, and uh, we convened a group of board governance experts, CHROs, CFOs, and others, 
and said, no, interim is not the title that you will take because <laughs> you need, you're already operating as the CEO. And we helped her negotiate and move into a very stressful, very difficult situation. So, you know, we are there. And whatever the need is, it's hard to specify, but I can say generically, it's basically a peer group that can give you insight and input without any hidden agendas. And that is not easy to find. Thank you. We, we do that in our entrepreneurship class at Harvard, where we create mastermind groups. And they're sort of similar. It's all about giving. And you don't expect anything in return. You just have to explain what your situation is, whether it's personal or professional, and usually they combine, and then people will convene with you out of the room. That's one of our little special sauce because we find that the participant brings in some self-limiting beliefs and says, oh, I've tried that, I've tried that. And we find if they're out of the room, we can leapfrog over those and come into a solution where they'd never thought of it. And we love to have people from different walks of life that have different perspectives. So, uh, so I see why it's working well for you. I love that, Michael. And you might be interested to know, all of you, Laura, you in particular, that when we are screening candidates to come in, uh, we have the, the success level screenings and all of those which you would expect. But then in the admissions interview, we have very different criteria. We are screening for kindness, mm -hmm. for a spirit of generosity and generosity of spirit. We're screening for transparency. We want women who are willing to be transparent so that we can help you. If you can't be transparent, we can't help you. We want women who exhibit uh, gratitude because by the time you get to a C-level role, you should have a healthy dose of gratitude. And women who are willing to share their networks with each other. There's no internal competition permitted in our group. And finally, women who ultimately, when their careers and time permit, will become a peer mentor to another EWA woman coming in. So those are the screens that we put over the interview. And therefore, we have a very special culture within our organization. Amazing. Amazing. Do I do that I for guys? That. I feel like I'm missing out. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, you, I know, think, you, you wouldn't be. You, you yeah. wouldn't be. Just give us a year or so. And Is as that it? We get to endemic status with this awful disease. Yeah. Um, we will probably launch our um, co-ed program. <laughs> okay. Mike and I, I'll speak for Mike, but we'll both join. Because hearing that, you're, you're so often especially during the, when you're working remotely, you feel isolated. You feel like you're not sure what's going on. And it's interesting. I have more friends now, like from being online because I've been very careful during the pandemic. But so you kind of feel like you need that social network to help you out. You know, you want someone to bounce questions off of. You want to get the feedback. You want to say, sometimes you want to hear the bad stuff where they say, Jack, what you're doing is really dumb. Just stop it. Don't do this, do this instead. You kind of need that. So I'm going to sign up. When you're going to do that. Okay, you're on. <laughs> and, and Lorraine, if you ever open up something for, for younger people, I find that they're so receptive to the things that, that you're talking about and teaching. And I love investing in them because I feel like I'm, I'm planting a seed that's going to grow for another 50 years. And when they learn some of the strategies that you're teaching, especially about well-being and positive psychology, it's very simple to understand. And if they can be equipped with that toolkit in their early 20s, I just think they can really be, they can really create magic and really change the world because they're going to be the world after we're gone. 
and, and I think they're, they're a wonderful investment. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Michael. And I've been an adjunct professor at a law school and also at a conflict resolution center at uh, another university. Um, and I did do that for a number of years before the pandemic. And then I just decided teaching remotely was not going to be for me. Right. So uh, for the uh, moment, you hit a I'm nerve with Mike. This. That's yeah, it's it's not easy, yeah. right? It's not. Yeah, but there were, you know literally hundreds of, of students in that genre that you describe. And yes, they are, they're in a tabula rasa, as you say, an open tablet of, uh, of learning opportunity, no doubt. Lorraine, I wanted to double click into something you said earlier. Um, you were talking about this idea of being kind, but also being firm. You were talking about the one hand can't clap kind of idea, right? Men and women together. I'm so curious about how with your exceptional women, um, this group that you have, how do you talk about kind of playing the game of kind of being in a men's world when you're in a leadership position versus trying to create a new game? It's such a hard thing to navigate, I feel like. And so I'm just curious, how do you, how do you talk about that? Because I think there's sometimes some real struggles if you are trying to play the existing game. Well, I wish you had uh, listened to or participated in our show yesterday. We also have a show that's called the EWA LinkedIn Live. And we had two of our EWA women on it who are spectacular as all of them are. One is Rachel Barger and she is the Senior Vice President for Global Enterprise for Cisco and one of the most senior women at Cisco. Uh, she was formerly the president of SAP in Asia and uh, worked for Ariba before. And what she said was very interesting. She said when she, the moment when her career took off, she's an engineer, was when she realized she didn't have to be one of the guys and that she could be herself. And of course, the, the well used term now is authentic self, that she really became who she was. And that's when her career took off. And with her on the show was uh, Diana Hoff, who is a petroleum engineer, senior vice president um, at Antero Resources. And she was the only woman anywhere in sight on an oil rig as the foreman of an oil rig for a number of years. So, you know, she wasn't one of the guys, obviously <laughs> they didn't treat her as one of the guys, but uh, she was definitely a peer. She has an incredible sense of humor, makes everybody laugh all the time. And she uses humor in her leadership roles to, um, to make people relax around her because she's such an unusual uh, personage to find on an oil rig or anywhere to do with petroleum and oil drilling for that matter. So for both of them, they have found their way to be themselves, to be who they are and to be accepted like that. So do they play the game? They do play the game because you have to play the game and it's really not so much the men women game it's the politics game in the corporate world and right. as i'm sure all of you and all your audience also know there are games to be played there and much as we don't like them i don't particularly uh, permit them within the organizations that i'm part of if i have any say on it um it's there and you have to play it and many women don't know how to do that so we help them with that because you need a couple of minds around you to say, you know, this is the play that's going on right now. These are some strategies you can use to counter 
or, or deal with that. And so, yes, you have to play the game that's being played around you, but you also have to be your authentic self. Right. That's awesome. Thank you. Lorraine, I'm going to ask you a, a fun visionary question. So this is like, like playtime. So imagine okay. that you have impacted so many more women than, than you have on your roster right now, that you, you've had this huge spread and, and everything has worked out. How will you change the workplace with what you're trying to do? Imagine it was all successful. How, how will the world and the workplace change based on the work that you're doing? You know, our mission is changing lives one woman at a time. And we also expand that to saying changing lives, changing workplaces, changing communities one woman at a time. So our mission and our vision would be that there is accepted equality in the workplace where you are judged for your competency, not for your gender or the color of your skin or the place you went to school, because uh, there's a lot of that too, uh, or even where you were born. So that's really what we're aiming towards. And that is being judged on your competency uh, and how you, how you uh, perform, because that's really what should count in the corporate world and it should count in, in life in general. I would say that we're, we're inching towards that. It's a very, very big goal. Um, and you know we're just gonna keep on doing it one woman at a time because our women run GDP in significant portions in variety of industries. And so if they do believe that, and they do, they can really make change happen within their organizations. So that's the goal. Thank Wonderful. you. Hey, Lorraine, you just, I wanna kind of go back to what you mentioned a little early in the conversation about failure. And I, I greatly respect the fact that you mentioned on several occasions that you failed at things. And I think for the audience, that, that's, that's nice for them to hear because as you know, most people don't like to talk about their failures. They gloss over it, they hide it, they, they want to ignore it, but you seem to embrace it. And is there something maybe you could tell people who are going through, and a lot of people on LinkedIn in particular, they're looking for new jobs, maybe they were laid off or maybe something's going on with their company or they just want to pivot or reinvent themselves or they're just hitting their head against the wall. What would you say to people who are going through failure so that they could keep pursuing and moving forward and not let it get, not drag them down? You know, one of the, uh aspects of the intellectual property that I've integrated into this program. And it's a proprietary metrics driven program, which we've codified on our web website. And each one of the women has to go through it, uh, supported by a dedicated mentor uh, who actually helps her through it and meets with her twice a month. One of the issues that we talk about is affirmation. And, you know, you may say, well, that's kind of woo woo magic stuff. No, it's not really. No, I believe Olympics in that. Yeah, the Olympics that are happening right now are an absolutely classic yeah. example. If you watch those downhill slalom skiers that I was watching last night, which was amazing, the speed they're going, as they're about to get ready, they are beginning to go through that downhill in their minds. They're laying down, and Laura, this is your, your area, they're laying down neural pathways of behavior, of, of action, of body reaction. There's no time to think when you're going at 60 miles an hour. So or whatever the speed is, it sure looks like 60. They're laying it down before and every single athlete does that. That's what we do with our ladies. We ask them to lay down neural pathways of positive outcomes. So if you're going through a failure situation and you're constantly saying, I'm such a failure, I'm such a failure, 
your, your subconscious is saying, yep, okay, let's act according to that belief system. You have to start saying things as if they've already happened, such as I have dealt with the situation in a positive way and have found my place in the world. And say it, I always tell everybody, say it every time you go to the bathroom, which depending on your age could be between one and 10, 10 times a day. That's when you say your affirmation and you say it as if it has already happened. And it does start to build up a positive feeling, which then gets those endorphins moving and becomes more of a physiological uh, reaction than just a psychological reaction. And it all lives together. So hard to do, but if you are surrounded with supportive people, they can help you remember that this too will pass. I, I love that, Lorraine. And, and it does work because I've tried it and there's evidence behind it. And I'm curious, uh, one, one of the things that I learned at Penn when I was studying positive psych is it's really fun to create these positive interventions or the exercises that you do for people. And I've found in my experience that when someone's having a challenge with that, when they are down and they need to keep that, you know, positive mindset. I find that mentoring other people that need help is a really great boost out. And I'm curious if you, if you ask your women to mentor other people when they are uh, on your platform. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole purpose of our organization is a peer-to-peer -peer network. It's mentoring. As soon as you come into the program, even before some women have gone through the 12 months of the program and then become alumna, they become mentors. Um, if they want to, if they're ready, and if their career permits them, uh, they're there. So yes, it helps tremendously. And look, it's, you know, there, there's a, an amazing program. Of course, we're all familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, where, you know, the sponsors for incoming uh, AA members are alcoholics themselves, and they help others to deal with their addictions. So, uh, you know, there's good evidence in many different areas of life that this actually works. And in ours, we, we don't bring people in uh, who are damaged necessarily, but as soon as they come in and can pay it forward, it makes them feel so happy and so generous and so gratified. So it's really you, you as a mentor learn as much as the mentee does. And because it's peer to peer, it's even more so. And I heard you had a really interesting acronym for mentor. Could you share that with us? Which one was that? Uh, Christine had mentioned it. Christine, do you remember? Um, I think there was a, a, an acronym that was involved with mentor. Mapping, oh. evaluation. No, oh, to that, that, yes. Yeah. No, basically, what we do is we use a lot of the business tools that, um, that you use in, in business opportunity analysis to look at life opportunity analysis, uh, to, to apply to our ladies on really doing a self-analysis of what is it that makes them happy, what makes them sad, where the negatives are, what would our plan be to obviate those negatives. So it's quite an in-depth discussion uh, between them and their mentors, and also the ability to go through a very structured process that enables them to come out with maybe some ahas. For example, uh, who are the people who are important in their lives? One of our women who I happen to be her mentor, I think she had 23 uh, people who were number one priority in her life. And I said to her, no wonder you feel overwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that you can have 23 people who are the first priority in your life. You know, you got to start carving out some time for yourself 
and have people take care of themselves a little bit more than you take care of them. So, you know, sometimes it's as obvious as that, sometimes a little less so. So Lorraine, I have a question for you. You have so many cool things that you've done, but I'm sure along the way, there have been some things that have been really hard. We've talked about a little bit about the, the um, what you call failures that you've had, but curious about what are you, some of your personal strategies when you're stressed, when you're all feeling over, maybe overwhelmed with things? What are some things that you do to kind of get yourself through those hard times? Well, I must admit exercise is an enormous uh, endorphin pumper and and that's what I need uh, when I'm feeling low I go and swim and uh, I put on my uh, this little pump here for audible I love listening to books on tape so I because they're actors that are actually voicing them mm -hmm. so I put my uh, mp3 plays which are waterproof in my ears and I get in the pool and I, I do aerobics in the pool and it just makes me feel happy so that is you know you, you have to get some physiological help when you feel down um, because it's very hard to get out of that cycle um, that's one way then I also do I do count my blessings and I verbalize how very blessed I am on so many levels. And that makes me remember that I'm very well off. That's awesome. Love it. Lorraine, so, so Laura, you have, okay. I, I started, uh, I used to have panic attacks after I retired because I had nothing to do and swimming butterfly got rid of it. Just the, again, like you're saying, like the, the endorphin rush and, and just being able to fly around, I loved it. Have you ever considered jumping into cold water that will yes. Slip. <laughs> <laughs> fast. I have. I have not only considered it, I've done it because we didn't used to heat our pool and it was about 53 degrees uh, in the winter. And I must tell you, I did it once, Michael, and I never did it again. <laughs> this is not my way of helping myself. No, I was cursing like a sailor. I can tell you, it's not my <laughs> <laughs> it gets you off whatever you were thinking about because you're just really focused on surviving. <laughs> yeah, you know, my grandmother used to say, if you want to forget your troubles, wear tight shoes. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> All you can think about is your feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is great. I, I want to be conscious of your time. Any, any last minute things, anything we haven't asked you that you feel you'd like to share before we head out? I'm just so happy to have been on your podcast. I think what you're doing is fabulous. And Michael, I think your focus area is just so needed in this world today. And Laura, you have skills that I'm sure in such demand, you could uh, rent yourself out as, a, as, as an empathy leader on an ongoing basis. And Jack, thank you for creating this podcast. Oh, our pleasure. Experience. Our and pleasure. Hey, Lorraine, can I, last one, if, I, if yeah. I could just squeeze it in for my undergraduate females who are from 135 different countries. Wow. It's, it's COVID. They're not with their families. They're not with their friends. They're not with their pets. Self-esteem, social media comparison. They have a lot that brings them down. As someone who has been an international person coming to the United States and done very well, what kind of hope can you give them when they're just 19 years old and just having a bad day? What could you do to help them? Just a message. Well, um, you know, I'm very into animals. I actually live on an urban farm and we have lots of different animals here. So, you know, if there's any way you can go to a shelter 
and um, volunteer a little bit and and bring some of that love that you have in your heart to an animal, um, it's going to make you feel an awful lot better. And I would say to work with, to, to, to at least find a buddy. One buddy would be even sufficient to just get out. I know the weather is miserable at the moment, but go to a gym, walk around, move your body. Um, sitting in front of a computer screen is just about the worst thing you can do. And so you've got to get out, move, or find an animal. Those were the two things that I, I found it. helped me out. I agree. We, we, Larry, we have two dogs and two cats for that reason. It's, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> That's really important. Thank you so well, much. I have a really cow. Great. I have goats. I've got a cow. Yeah. I've got goats. I've got fish. <laughs> wait, and I've wait, got a where, wonderful dog. So. <laughs> so wait, if you don't mind me asking, where do you live that you have that? A goat and a cow? I live in Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles, but we have an urban farm. So wow. I make all my own cheese and jams. <laughs> of course and you do. How do you have, where, how do you have the time to do all that? <laughs> I love it. I feel so lazy now. It's terrible. <laughs> it's too much fun, you know, when you've got a Jersey cow in your backyard <laughs> and that incredible milk comes, a gallon of milk and this yeah. much cream. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> so wow. it's a lot of it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Lorraine, this has been that's great. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was today. fantastic. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so so glad that you came on and I'm so happy we met you. And for everybody who was watching this, what we could do too, if you like, off, you know, later on, you could share the link. So for people who may want to be um to, to be mentored or be a mentoree or somehow get involved with your organization, maybe you could share with us and then we'll share it with people who if you if you like who are very interested because I, I think it's a, and it's if a they great want cause to donate too because we are all volunteers yeah none of okay. us get paid so if they want to donate that would be wonderful as well okay. all right we'll put out well, you know what we'll put whatever you can give us the where to go to what to do when we, we we'll upload it because what we do is we'll edit it and clean it up and then we'll upload it and then we'll put all that contact information so yeah so that'd be great very good. well thank very you so good. much i'll put my email address in here lorraine for you uh, I love generosity and sharing. So if there's anything uh, you think I could help with, I'm I'm happy to stay in touch. And uh, thank I think you. you're doing great and, stuff. And you know what? If there's um, if you need me to do a, a Zoom um, executive in residence kind of thing for your class, I'm more than happy to do that. I do that for a number of universities. So it's if fun. it helps, I, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say yes because they yes. do need you. Yeah, they do. They really need someone to look up to, and I think you'd be amazing. So yes, thank you. And I can always I can always bring a a couple of my ladies with me for another occasion as well. So you just let me know what will be helpful to you. Excellent. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so Excellent. much, Lorraine. Excellent. Oh, great. This was this is wonderful. I'm so glad you joined us. This was fantastic. And and we'll definitely keep in touch. And you know, maybe Absolutely. what we could do is you know down the road we can kind of regroup and see what you're doing next because I, I got a sense this could be a lot of things. And then and then down the road even more, Mike and I are going to be like the initial members of the new you know new thing that you're going to set up. The co-ed. Yes, co-ed. Co okay. Co-ed with kids. Yeah, we're okay. happy. Okay. Uh, all right. And you know what, so Laura, become one of our angels. How's that? There you go. I, absolutely. I'm all over it. I'm all, all over it. it. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Thank you very so much. Great. That was Bye -bye. awesome.